Good morning, everyone. My name is Venkatesh Bagaria, and I'm a senior product manager with the Amazon recognition team. Uh, today, I'll be presenting with uh, two more people. Uh, we have with us Michael Bakarak, who's a senior vice president of IT with the Fox Entertainment Group. And then we have uh, Christopher Kuthan, who's a business development manager with AWS uh, Industry Solutions, and he focuses on the media vertical. A couple of quick housekeeping items. So we'll be sticking around for questions after this presentation is done around the stage area. So uh, please hold on to that and uh, do make sure to catch us up once, you know, once we are done. Um, so this presentation uh, will have three parts. First, we'll talk about what is Amazon recognition, uh, who are the types of customers who are using it, and then we'll look at how the media customers in particular are using Amazon recognition today. And then uh, Michael will talk about how Fox has been using not just Amazon recognition, but also different AWS services to really uh, improve the supply chain as well as improve the customer experience uh, on their platform. And then finally, Chris is going to uh, help you with some architectures and tools as to how to get started on unlocking the value from your media assets. So let's jump right in. So Amazon Recognition is a deep learning-based image and video analysis uh, service. It's fully managed, and it's as simple as just putting in an image or a video and getting information out. And this information could be of various types. Like here, for example, you see that uh, you know, we have found what types of objects and scenes are there in the image. But really, there are multiple things you can do with the service. And uh, here's all that you can get with Amazon Recognition today. The first capability is around faces, and uh, we do three different things here. We have face detection, which is essentially being able to find if there's a face in an image. Once we find the face, you can also do facial analysis, which helps you figure out things like uh, demographics, such as gender or age range of the person. You can figure out the sentiment, whether the person is happy, sad, and so on. And there's a bunch of other attributes, uh, like whether the person is smiling, whether their eyes are open, and things of that nature. And then finally, we have face recognition, where you can have a collection or a database of people uh, who you want to recognize. And uh, you can do that very easily. Uh, next, we come to celebrities, which is essentially similar to the facial recognition piece, but we have this uh, pre-trained set of hundreds and thousands of popular uh, personalities in sports, media, uh, and all these other um, sectors, which we can identify for you directly. And then, uh, of course, we have uh, objects and scenes where you would be able to understand whether an image contains uh, thousands of common objects. You also get the location of that. And of course, uh, different scenes. So for example, if I were to take a picture of this room, it would tell me this is a conference room, there's an audience, and so on. Uh, we also have capabilities around text. So we can detect and recognize text. Um, for video, uh, we have some interesting capabilities uh, related to activities, essentially things like somebody's running, they're playing a guitar, things of that nature. And then there's pathing or paths where we are able to figure out in the video, uh, how are people moving? And you can plot paths on that. Um, we also have a capability for moderation, uh, where we are able to figure out if there's inappropriate content uh, present in the image. 
So let's look at some of the benefits that you get with Amazon recognition. Uh, as I said, it's a fully managed service. You just put in images or video and you get a response out. We are continuously improving the service based on feedback that we get from customers. And we, of course, uh, our scientists are working on bringing the latest state-of-the-art models to you, uh, you know, uh, continuously, again, improving. Uh, the cost is pretty attractive. It's completely serverless. Um, and we have seen customers getting started very, very easily in a matter of days and weeks uh, to you know, get the power of machine learning. And the best part is you don't need any machine learning experience to use the service. So uh, let us look at some of the common verticals or use cases that you know, uh, we are seeing some attraction with. Now the first one, of course, uh, as this session is uh, focused on, it's media discovery. Being able to really find out uh, the right type of media, and this could be for operational purposes, this could be for improving customer experience. So that's been one of the key themes that uh, we are focused on, as well as we are seeing a lot of interest in. Uh, content moderation or compliance or review is another theme that we see popping up often. This is again in very prevalent in media as well as uh, social media, dating sites. Essentially anywhere where you are allowing people to upload images and videos in an unconstrained environment and allowing people to express themselves, uh, this is a need that we see popping up. Uh, we also have uh, some interesting use cases in customer engagement. And uh, really, here we are seeing some innovative use of our features. Uh, it could be as simple as being able to search a set of photos uh, based on what's in them. So let's say you want to figure out that, give me all the pictures which contain dogs. You could do that. Or you could use that information to personalize experiences uh, for your customers. So there's a lot of things you can do with the information that you get back from recognition. Uh, public safety uh, is another theme that we have seen uh, pop up. Again, you can think of a variety of use cases, like uh, you know, if there's an event happening, like a concert, um, or there's a store where you want to make sure that a uh, store or even a resort like uh, you see here, you want to make sure that uh, you know, some known criminals are not entering that place. Uh, you know, as long as the customers are opted in, uh, you can apply something like facial recognition uh, to make sure that safety of your uh, customers is maintained. And uh, finally, we're also seeing uh, some very interesting use cases uh, in industries where people are trying to figure out different things, whether, you know, whether a certain object is present or not, uh, reading you know, text to improve operational processes. And uh, finally, there's mapping where essentially uh, there's a lot of um, large-scale efforts to map out different places. And reading road signs and street signs is very important for that. So we're seeing a lot of traction for uh, our text uh, APIs for that. And there's really many more use cases that we see. It's, it's really been fascinating to see uh, since we launched the kind of uh, you know, response we have been getting. And uh, here you can see uh, you know, really in every imaginable vertical, we are kind of seeing a lot of uh, interest. You will see some really big names, particularly in the media space. You will see some really up-and-coming startups. And really, this is what is great about AWS. You get such a variety of customers using your platform. And the way it benefits uh, you know, customers like yourselves in the end is we get a rich set of feedback from this. And we are continuously improving the service based on that. And not just that, it also helps us differentiate 
uh, and come up with features which customers are going to love because I mean it's it's often said that a lot of our roadmap like almost 90-95% is based on customer feedback so the more the customers the more the variety the better the product becomes over time so let's go a bit deeper into each of these use cases uh, and in this session of course we'll be focusing on the media vertical so uh, the use cases are particularly for that um, if you're interested in the other use cases, there are a few more sessions which will deep dive across a broader set of things. So uh, please do look up your schedules for that. Um, so for media discovery, again, uh, you can think of multiple uh, use cases here, um, not just in broadcast media, but also in social media, in you know, uh, marketing on social media platforms and things of that nature. So the most common one that we see, uh, particularly for broadcast media, is uh, media libraries. Uh, you know, people have tremendous amounts of content sitting around either in archives or just getting generated every day. And it's, it's a challenge, A, to manage those assets, and then B, to figure out which ones are valuable, what kind of value can I get out of it, how can I use this to uh, you know, improve the experience for customers, and just making it easy to use for your own um, you know, employees as well as for the end customers, that's a challenge. Um, for live events, particularly you know, uh, things like races and marathons and uh, concerts, uh, we are seeing a lot of interest in capturing the right moments. So essentially, let's say you are running a race uh, and you, know, you have a certain bib number in a marathon and uh, there's a provider who's like, capturing images of this uh, you as the provider would want to give the user an ability to search for their images during the race. And you could use either the face or the bib number, of course, assuming the customers have agreed to uh, this. And then uh, you can use that to quickly find the right images there. So again, there's, a, there's an element of discovery and delighting customers based on that. Um, for social media, uh, a couple of use cases come to mind. As I mentioned previously, content moderation is pretty important because a uh, lot of the content here is user generated. And uh, of course, um, you can use uh, personalization as well depending on uh, you know, what your users like. And then finally, uh, things like influencer marketing are uh, a bit more advanced in the sense you are trying to figure out um, which customers to match with what interests. And so again, you could use something like object and scene detection or activities to understand what's really happening in somebody's feed, and then you can use that to make uh, better judgments as to who to match them with, or what kind of campaigns you can run, and things of that nature. So really with uh, media discovery, um, there are three questions that customers often ask, and these, as you can see, are essentially who is in the content, right? Um, so is there a famous person in the content? Is, is there a certain cast member present in this content? These are the kind of questions which help you figure out uh, how to get the right content. Um, there's also the what, uh, where you're saying, what does this contain? Uh, you know, does it have a car or does this have a person? Does this have like a gun, for example? You might not want to show that. So there's a lot of questions around that which objects and activities can answer for you. And then finally, we have the where. Uh, as I was saying, for the mapping use case, um, you know, text is very useful. You could read street signs. Or you could just imagine that this is an indoor scene. It's an outdoor scene. 
Um, so the scene labels will tell you this. So as I was saying, uh, you know, celebrity recognition, uh, it is pre-trained with hundreds of thousands of um, popular personalities and you just pass in the image or video and we'll tell you which celebrity we found. And so this is a very useful pattern when, uh, particularly for broadcast media, uh, we often hear that customers need to search for pieces of content containing a certain celebrity. So, you know, recently uh, Prince died and then, you know, somebody wants to look for in their archive of all pieces of content containing him. What you could do with recognition now is very easily tag your archive at one shot and say, okay, find me all the celebrities. And then later, whoever you want to search for, it's very easy. You can just uh, hook up a system, um, you know, Chris will show you some uh, infrastructure there. So uh, it's very easy to search once you have the tags. And essentially celebrity recognition answers the question of who is in it. And we have seen some very interesting uh, uses of this beyond just searching your assets. And uh, one of them was uh, the royal wedding which happened earlier this year. And um, Sky News essentially built this second screen experience. It was an app called Who's Who. And um, it's a very interesting app where they had figured out that there's a certain number of people coming to the royal wedding, the guests. And they worked with us to build this experience where, uh, you know, on demand or live, you could figure out who had arrived uh, in the wedding already. As you can see on the screen, there's a list of people who had already arrived. And then there's more information about that person and so it's a very interesting and interactive um, way to keep track of uh, celebrities uh, who had already arrived in that. And at the end of this, you know, both live and on demand, uh, 800,000 people in 200 countries actually use this to, uh, you know, improve their experience of uh, following the royal wedding. So it's very interesting uh, use case that we saw there. Uh, so. Celebrities, of course, is pre-trained, and we do keep improving and adding more and more people to that. But sometimes we have heard that needs can be extremely local or specific. So it's like, okay, uh, we have these not so well-known people, and you know, I have a certain show, and it has some cast members. I want to look for them. How do I do that? So that's where uh, you can use the face recognition. Uh, you know, so this you can use by there's like a three-step process here. So the idea here is you as the customer control what kind of faces you want to recognize. And let's say you have 100 people that you want to recognize. All you need to do is collect some images for each of these 100 people. And then we have this concept of a collection, which is essentially the database where we store uh, facial vectors. Um, so all you need to do is create a collection, index all these images of these 100 people that you want to recognize. Um, and then once that is done, all you need to do is take your video or image and then search against the collection. So it's a three-step process, but it's very easy to get started. So with this, the beauty is you control the uh, collection completely. Let's say tomorrow you want to add 20 more people, you can do that. You want to remove some people, you can do that. You can add more images per person to improve the recognition rate. It's completely up to you. So this combined with celebrities, essentially extremely powerful in you know, searching for anybody in your content. And um, as I said, we continuously keep improving our services. And so 
uh, as of last week, actually, we released some major improvements to our face detection analysis and recognition APIs. Um, what you see on the screen here is some very challenging conditions for uh, face pose, uh, essentially camera angles or when people are not looking at the camera, side-on views. Those poses are very difficult to even detect the face for. Um, there are conditions where lighting could be very challenging. So, you know, you can see here, for example, that there's a lot of shadows on the face and part of the face is not even visible properly. Or you could have blur and occlusion where, you know, you can see here that hair is actually coming on the face. So these have traditionally been very difficult for face detection systems to even capture the face. And if you don't capture the face, you can't do celebrity recognition, you can't do facial recognition at all. So uh, we have been working on these challenging use cases based on customer feedback. And we're happy to say that, you know, we have made some major progress and now it's available to all customers as of last week. So that's the who. Uh, now let's move on to the what. And here essentially uh, we have this object and scene detection API. You're given an image or a video and you get back all this information. So in this particular image, you can see there's a rich set of labels that you get back, which, uh, you know, it, it, it encompasses common objects like the person, skateboard, you know, there's a vehicle and all of that. And then there's the scene. You're able to figure out that this is a city, um, there's a bit of architecture, uh, and so on and so forth. So this information itself is a very useful tool to answer the what. And again, you can go through your uh, media archives, just use label detection or object and scene detection um, to uh, tag what, what types of content is, are there, and then you could search for this later. Now, um, earlier this month, we also uh, released a big improvement on this particular API. And there was one feature that customers had been requesting for quite a while, which was uh, bounding boxes. So essentially, earlier we could tell you, we could identify the objects and scenes in the image, but we couldn't tell you where it was. Uh, so now we have added that as well. You can get location, count, as well as relationships of objects. So what I mean by that is, once you have the bounding box around each object, you could now have uh, more detailed search results. For example, you could search for images which say, hey, give me images which contain more than three people, right? You could do that. Or you could say, uh, give me an image where a car is you know, in the center of the image and it's occupying a certain area. So you know that it's in the focus. That's, that's the main focus of the image. Or you could have relationships where you could say, give me images where a person is standing next to a car. So once you have the box, you have the size, and you have multiple boxes, there's just so many searches and so many combinations you could do with this. Uh, this is just a great way to kind of get a lot more metadata out of your systems. An extension of this one for videos uh, is activities and paths. So uh, as an example here, you can, you know, sports games are a very interesting use case here. So what you could do here, for example, is figure out how a player was moving during a certain clip. So um, the, the path detection essentially is able to figure out uh, multiple people, and then it's, it's gonna figure out the path of the, each person throughout the video. And you get this along a timeline, so you can plot the path as, you know, along the timeline of the video. And uh, activities, again, uh, you know, in this case, it would be playing soccer, or it could be different things like 
um, you know, if somebody's falling down or there's a baby crawling, there's a bunch of activities we can do. And this essentially is one more dimension where uh, you get more interesting information about videos. So as an extension of this, you know, content compliance or safety or content moderation, that's also a key theme that we hear. And uh, at Recognition, we have taken a slightly different approach to this problem, and I'll tell you uh, why that is. So uh, if you notice, this is the output that you get out of our content moderation APIs today, and you will notice that it's a hierarchical set of labels. There's a reason why we don't say that something is safe or unsafe, simply because there is no one standard, right? So we, uh, we don't consider ourselves an authority on what is to be considered safe or unsafe. All we know is these types of labels are, you know, different customers have different needs based on these. So what we do is we give them out, we give them out with confidence score, and you, the customer, can then create your own business rules. Uh, for example, you could just say, look, I don't want anything with any kind of explicit nudity or suggestive content. So maybe you're operating in the Middle East and anything is, you know, mildly suggestive also is not a great experience. Or you could say, look, uh, as long as it's not you know, really pornographic in nature, I'm fine. So you could allow the suggestive content to go through and you know, uh, just the explicit nudity could be filtered out. Or you could use this for ratings as well, because if you figure out the type of nudity, you could assign different ratings for the content. So there's really a bunch of stuff, and that's why we have chosen to go the route of just giving you information and allowing you to make the decisions yourself. And the beauty of content moderation uh, is that it's a problem that many people are uh, you know, facing today. And the most common way of doing this at scale is just humanly checking every piece of content, either the image or the video. And so essentially, you're trying to find a needle in a giant haystack, right? Because on most reputable platforms, uh, what we have seen is the actual amount of unsafe content could be as low as 1 or 2% or even lesser, and, but you do have to look at everything to find that thing. So uh, our approach is to essentially shrink the size of that haystack. Maybe it was the size of a warehouse, and now you know, it's just a small box. So as you can see here, uh, Coffee Meets Bagel, one of the most popular dating websites, uh, apps, sorry, um, we're able to you know, save a lot of manpower uh, on this. So 97% of the manual effort went away because Recognition could flag the content which was uh, potentially unsafe, and then the humans could just look at that. And so this freed them up to do more higher value work. And of course, this leads to cost savings as well because you know, uh, it's a tedious job for a human to continuously look at this, and you know, a lot of people are required. So it's a win-win all around. And then uh, finally, we have uh, text. So uh, as I was saying, this example of the marathon by breeding, that's a very interesting one. Uh, but really, uh, if you think about it, what text in image does is it finds the location of the text as well as reads it. So in, in media, there are many use cases where both the location as well as the content is important. So for example, you're looking for something happening in the top third or you know, the top right of a particular video. Somebody's put some text in there. Um, all of those use cases can be done very well with text and image. And of course, uh, you know, the standard use cases do exist where 
you want to read road signs or uh, marathon bibs. And the good thing about text and images, we have also improved it this year to work for more extreme use cases. So even if the text is rotated by, uh, you know, it's completely vertical uh, or it's the other way around, those are difficult to read typically. So we have improved algorithms to, uh, you know, work for that as well. So I think that's it about recognition. Um, before I hand it over to Michael, I would just quickly like to introduce some of our language services, uh, which are also very important, and we have seen them come up again and again in media workflows. And really, we are seeing customers combining a lot of uh, our vision services as well as language services to uh, create better experiences. So uh, I'm just going to quickly introduce three services which are the most relevant. The first one is Amazon Transcribe, which is our um, automatic speech recognition. Uh, it's for stored as well as streaming audio. So very recently, we uh, announced this for streaming audio as well, which allows you to do real-time transcription of uh, you know, content. Then we have Translate, which is a fast, natural, and pretty accurate uh, neural machine translation. And there's a lot of popular languages. All those pairs are supported. So you can pretty much convert anything to anything. Um, and then it keeps adding more languages. And then finally, we have Amazon Comprehend, which is our natural language processing tool, um, which helps you find insights and relationships. And recently, it also added the ability to have custom entities to kind of extend the product to your own requirements. So I think these are the three main ones that you will see uh, showing up again and again. So with that, I would really like to invite Michael Bacharach on stage. Please give him a warm welcome. Thanks, Venkat. Um, so I'm Michael Bacharach. I'm from the Fox Entertainment Group. And just to take a step back for a second, one day in my office having lunch, again, just with a sandwich and myself and some friends, that's about how we get to have lunch. Um, some of, some of my peers and some of the people that worked for me said, what is this machine learning and AI thing? What are we doing about it at Fox? What do we want to do about it at Fox? So we came up with um, a set of ideas, and organi organically, we flushed out some of those ideas and said, well, basically, what we want to do is help Fox monetize their content um, a little bit better than what they're doing, or, or potentially find new insights about their content and, and actually provide additional revenues as well. We also wanted to look at the supply chain and say, what can we do about the supply chain to transform it? And we've done some of those things year over year, um, historically speaking. So we thought that would be a good place for us to start. So we started there, and we wanted to be focused. We wanted to do something that was not just in, in theory or that we can, you know, Get, get in a conference room and talk about. So how would we put that in practice? So we needed to have support from people in our business. We needed to go back to the people in theatrical distribution, the people in home entertainment distribution, and say to them, we have these ideas. What do you think? So we formed a little bit of an organic group and created a great partnership with people in the business to come up with a set of items that we wanted to go after. So when you look at content and products, and how do we gain insights on content and products, 
the first thing we did was we looked in the beginning of the food chain. And the beginning of the food chain really is about the creative process and the workflows that they go through um, to understand uh, what scripts we have and what stories people are, are delivering to us. We also realize that you know, as we collect all these assets and we put them in a repository of, of these digital assets, we need a way for people to find these assets in a way that's common to them. To do that, right, we had to extend the metadata of those assets so that we can deliver a user-friendly, deep search and discovery set of tools that they could look for content in different ways than they were typically doing it, by, by title name or even some people were looking up by like some product ID number. So we knew we needed to extend our metadata to find um, a better way for people to find what they needed so that they can act quickly and um, take advantage of other opportunities. So we also then said, okay, from a supply chain perspective, what, what, what do we do? We have media workflows. We could probably add some value there. We also do things around compliance or moderation where people are actually viewing videos of trailers, of our films, identifying the ins and the outs of where there could be potential um, violations of various compliance issues around the world. We also have a localization process whereby we need to start with an English script for a trailer or we need to find English content within a movie, right, that then goes, feeds a food chain and a set of processes that um, a localization group can go and translate from English to Spanish or English to French or what have you. And then we also looked at rights, right? And rights was, is a big thing because the rights and contract management process is a very, very manually intensive task at Fox. There's dozens, hundreds of contracts for a film. There's hundreds of contracts for TV shows. And people, after the legal group sets them up, people look through those contracts to understand what kind of distribution rights we have um, for the film or TV show. And those distribution rights typically are in the nature of what territory can I distribute in, what media, so either film, home entertainment product, subscription VOD, you know, pick a, pick a media. And then also what language. So if you think about the permutations of territory, media, and language, and trying to pull out those strands from a contract, it's very manually intensive. So we were looking at that too. And then from an overall perspective, we also knew that we didn't want to replace someone's job, right? We wanted to find the data points to assist the creative people. We wanted to highlight the data points to assist the people in legal rights clearance who are looking through all these contracts, right? It wasn't for us about putting machine learning and AI in place to um, replace a job. We wanted to help them free up some of their time, like Venkat mentioned, potentially do some other value-added work. Um, but we also wanted to reduce some costs. And with media workflows and compliance and localizations, we found that there were a lot of vendors who were um, charging us a lot of money to sit there and watch all these videos. So let's get a little bit more specific on exactly what we were doing. Creative development. So, we have uh, two use cases that we were going after, story compliance and script analysis. So we have a, a situation 
at Fox where we, when we buy a story from someone, we're only allowed to use that story in a certain way. We can't deviate too much from how the character might be resent, represented, a theme in the story, as that story becomes a movie. So we wanted to help um, that process and, and make sure that those rules were set up in a way that we can understand that we complied with the rules of the person that we bought the story from in a way that um, was um, in compliance. Script analysis. We get lots of scripts. Lots and lots of scripts. And you can imagine there's you know, the big name directors, the big name producers, all those scripts kind of bubble up to the top. But there are scripts from, from let's call them the newbies of the world, who actually are an up-and-coming director that you might not have heard of today, but in five years you might hear of. We wanted to come up with a process to say, okay, of all these scripts, right, what, would, what are the metrics, what are the things that we can highlight for the script readers that says, you know, you got the pile of 50 scripts over here, they're in the, I'll get to those scripts later. How do you bubble up the ones that are relevant? It, 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 a peer of mine has an example of, of a doctor who has tons of x-rays to look at, right? At the end of the day, he comes back to his office, he has a pile of x-rays. So how do, you, how do you, know, you know which one has lung cancer versus which one which don't? You want to bubble up those lung cancer ones to the top, right, because they're more important than the other. So similar to that, that's what we're trying to do with the script analysis, is find the ones that are more important and, and from a Fox perspective, and, and bubble those up to the top so that they get read and looked at. Content monetization. Um, we do campaigns. We promote our product, and we promote them in a very, very traditional way. We come up with a plan in the beginning of the year. We, we execute on that plan. We're very successful at it. But you know what? Is there a way to take advantage of what's going on in the world and start creating alternative campaigns, right? Finding content in your repository that you can leverage at an opportunistic time based upon what's going on in the world. So our idea was, can we listen on social platforms, understand some of those trends, or have those trends provided to us, automatically then search through our content and say, Okay, the, these might be good. So let me give you an example. It's my favorite example. I, I hope I don't, you know, um, offend anyone, but let's just say Russian spies are trending in the world today. There's a lot of talk on Twitter or wherever about Russian spies. So in, in, our, in our world, what we'd like to do and are doing is can we consolidate and understand that Russian spies are trending. Feed that back into our ecosystem, automate search and discovery, or not, provide that information to a person who can now search and discover assets a lot easier than they could have because we've tagged that, uh, our assets with this new and improved metadata, right? So that they can find, you know, the fact that the Americans Season three has a couple of episodes. American season five might have an episode. And by the way, one of the diehard pictures was very focused in Russia. Can we put that all together in a package, highlight it, and say, hey, here's a recommendation of content that is matching what people is talking about 
online? Is there a way for you marketeers or you salespeople to go out to our customers, the, the iTunes, the Amazons of the world, and say, we have a great package, right, that is relevant for today, relevant for this week or two weeks or a month, put it up on their site and, you know, sell it. So that's what we're trying to do with content monetization. Obviously, both of these things, creative development, content monetization, really depends upon having metadata enriched. So we have a process that's set up where we receive content in from our vendors, it goes into our digital asset repository, and it gets tagged. It gets tagged by extending the technical metadata on files. It gets tagged by ending, adding cognitive or temporal metadata on the files. And we've done that so far for eight petabytes worth of video and images that we have stored in, on S3 and uh, the Amazon and AWS cloud. Now, operational efficiencies, I mentioned to you distribution rights. So what we're trying to do is can we pull in these documents automatically, highlight where these rights are, create a clearance memo, and off those clearance memos, then uh, decide, okay, here are the right strands, put it into our right system, and have um, that whole process automated. What, we, what we're finding out is that you do need human insight in all of this, right? Because things don't work 100%. Some of these things, if it works 90%, 80%, you're good. But with rights, things like rights, not so good if you miss out a, if you start distributing a film in a territory or in a language that you don't have access to do so. We're also doing, we're looking at our trailers, um, online text, ca text capture in our trailers. So you, in our trailers, when we make trailers, you might see a tagline that says, coming soon, right? Or on channel five in Australia um, next Monday, right? Those kinds of things need to be extracted from the trailer and localized because they're all in English. The world, while everyone in the world supposedly speaks English, not, not, not so true, right? So um, we pull that text out and we've created um, a process, and I'll show you some screenshots in a little bit, um, that that text then can start, pull out that text, validate it, do a QA. Probably saves about 80% of their work, right? And, and, and a lot of money from our vendors who are doing this. Um, present it to someone to check and then push it down through our localization process. Saves a lot of time, saves a lot of money. Um, we talked a little bit about scripts. I'm gonna go on to the next slide and just show you how all these things work. So this is our platform. We have um, a repository of our video and our audio images. We call it Fox Media Cloud. We have our documents and contracts and our scripts in Box. And we're also beginning to integrate, we're a big Salesforce place as well, we're also beginning to integrate Salesforce Social Studio to provide that listening feedback that we need. So we take all of this, we put it through our, what do we call our AI platform. We have another partner that's been extremely helpful with us with Gray Meta. They provide some services for us as well. Um, and then we use Amazon recognition, we use transcribe, and we use comprehend to tag our assets. And we tag them um, in a way that they can be consumed. 
from two perspectives. One perspective is from a custom experience. So we spent a lot of time at Fox having this idea of when you're um, a theatrical person, whether you're a salesperson, a marketing person, a finance person, an operations person, we want you to go to one place to do your job. So we have a platform for theatrical. Home entertainment, same thing. If you're sales, marketing, finance, or operations, we want you to go to a single platform to do your job, right? Whether you're forecasting um, uh, finan financials or you are creating keys for uh, digital keys for a theatrical release, we, it doesn't matter. We want you to go to one platform to do your job. So what we know is that we need a custom experience because if we were to provide an alternative set of tools that are outside of the platform, all the work that we've done over the last two or three years by promoting one platform, one place to do all your work, we, we would violate our own um, methodology. So we, need, we build custom experience um, for them to do search and discovery and also for a lot of the things that I've talked about. We also know that we needed some kind of standard experience because a lot of effort goes into that custom experience, right? And you don't necessarily know if you're going to be successful with whatever experiment that you're doing. So we needed a, a place to take, take a tool set, in this case it's from Gray Meta, experiment, you know, go back to our partnership with the people in the business and say, hey, here's a little thing we did. It's a proof of concept, of it. it's an experiment. What do you think? And that's kind of our learning environment that we set up to learn with our, our business partners. So under the covers, right, this is how we make it work. This is how you go, no matter who you are, no matter what platform you are, we have a one-stop shop that when metadata get, comes into our, when uh, digital content comes into our system, the metadata gets tagged, right, in a way that no matter what you're doing, whether you're doing something related to creative development, you're doing something related to compliance, or you're, or you're, or you're, or you're searching for new content to monetize in other ways, right, we connect with these services and people get it by going into the one platform at one time. All right, so let me just give you an example so you know what I'm saying is mostly true. Um, detecting text and images. So this is our theatrical platform. And if you were a theatrical user in, at Fox, you would notice something very, very quickly. You notice the, the layout of the screen, the way it looks, the color, the UI, it all is standardized for theatrical, right? And now we're presenting them. Um, this is our um, localization use case that I mentioned. We're presenting them content in a place that they're familiar with. We've pulled out the text from that content that we think needs to be localized and gave them a place to check it. So no, no human needs to touch this until this point. Before, we've had vendors doing this. Now, we don't have our vendors doing this. We have our vendor maybe check it to make sure it's right, correct it if it's wrong, and then push it through the localization process. Saves a lot of money. 
moderation or compliance. Excuse the graphic image, but I think it serves its point. Um, we're able, through the tool set that I mentioned and, and through our framework, we're able to understand where we might have compliance issues. Initially, this is just general rules and things like that of might, what might be objectionable, right? And you can see that some things on the rows are highlighted in blue. The idea is that you can click on that, right, and then bring up the image or the place in the video where it's highlighted a possible uh, compliance issue and look at it. A next step that we want to do, and Venkat touched on this, not all compliance rules are the same. So we're going to build the compliance rules engine, right, that says for Spain or China uh, or South Korea, right, you can imagine that all those compliance rules are different. So we're going to take the next step and build a rules engine that we have the FOX rules of what um, the compliance rules are for each of those countries and others. Speech to text. So when you have a film, you have a script usually. When you have a TV show, you have a script. When you have a trailer, you have to wait for a script. Waiting for that script slows up the process, right? So what we've decided to do is take the trailer, use uh, services to translate that script from speech to text. Again, put it in a UI that someone can look at instead of someone typing it in, figuring out the ins and outs of, the, of, of where things start and where things end, putting it in this UI, a place, again, that's familiar to people, and having them check it. Again, this will start the localization process for the scripts for trailers that we deliver around the world. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, what we're doing. To be fair, I mean, a lot of those things are started. Some are at various stages. But I think you get the idea. The, get, the idea is to set up a workflow that you can start to automate these things, provide data points, save some money by reducing costs with our vendors, and freeing time up for people that are at Fox that'd rather be doing something else. So thank you. And I'm going to toss it over to Chris. Thanks a lot, Michael. Uh, so I really love these use cases, how uh, Fox uses machine learning really ingrained in their operations and really getting already benefits out of machine learning. It's not something that's a future concept. It's really here, and they're using it to, to, to you know, benefit the business. So I want to talk to you briefly about how to get started in doing this. So you can go a couple of different ways here. You can obviously build these uh, workflows from our services, from bottoms up, you know, with our API services and so forth. You can also go to partners or and go to partners. We also created as an alternative, as a third route, this is also just complementary to the other routes, we created some packages that can help you get going with these kind of workloads. So these packages in channel on a high level are supposed to be a good starting point for customers to get going with these use cases. So they help them with like, uh, for example, CloudFormation template, reference architectures, implementation guides, and so forth, to like how to put an architecture together that makes, you know, like provides the, the, the business outcomes that you're looking for. 
Um, and then they are very quick to launch. So it's a CloudFormation template, you press a button, you launch them into your account, and you get results basically instantaneously. They are easy to expand, and that's a key point. So they would, uh, you know, they are not ready fully baked solutions that you cannot modify. So you can add on top of them, you can work with partners who can add on those, and you, you, know, you can expand it from that starting point they provide. Uh, they obviously provide you with more agility, so they cut down the time for you to get these workflows going and get you quick the revenue and the business benefits, what, whatever they are, whatever you're looking for. And they are well-architected and, and reviewed, so you can move with them into production. So right now we have developed four of those solutions, uh, and they're constantly being modified, added in functionality, and then also in additional solutions. So here I'm gonna go through the media analysis solution, which is really built around machine learning, a lot of what, you were, what we already talked here. Then there is a, I also wanna touch on a, a tape to cloud solution that helps you moving tape content, media archives into the cloud as a, a, with a serverless process. I also want to mention there is video streaming solutions and live and, vi and, and video on demand, which at this point don't have machine learning baked in, but you know, the, these solutions are gonna overlap and move together over, over time. Uh, also I want to mention that as a, as a fifth solution already available, not on this website at the moment, but very soon is uh, a, live uh, a live subtitling solution that basically gets you going with like live subtitling workflows right away. Uh, if you wanna look those up, they are available, they are free, go there, have a look, and all the documentations that I, that I mentioned is on that website. So let's go quickly into the media analysis. Uh, so, a lot of the use cases that have been mentioned in the beginning of the presentation are covered with this solution. So you basically can do what's obviously very important is the automated metadata generation, uh, you know, around labels, face, uh, passing, uh, face search, activity detection, and so forth. You can do subtitle generation. With this solution, it's VOD subtitle, but as I mentioned, there's also a live subtitling solution available more or less now. And you can do that uh, key phrase detection that Michael, uh, for example, talked about, you know, to, to surface documents and so forth that are relevant for you. And we're constantly adding new solutions, as I mentioned. So on a very high level, the architecture looks a little bit like this, or looks like this. So you have an S3 bucket, you put an asset into that bucket, uh, a Lambda function triggers uh, AWS state, um, state functions uh, state machine. And then depending on what kind of asset has been put into the S3 bucket, uh, it triggers one to five branches of states. So uh, for example, if you're putting in a, uh, a, an audio file, it analyzes the audio, it, 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 it goes through transcribe, transcribes what's being said in the audio to text, and then runs comprehend. It's a sequential process. Uh, then, for example, if you put in a, a video file, it goes through, actually it extracts the audio through AWS Elemental Media Convert, analyzes the audio the same way, and also analyzes uh, the video for, with recognition and, and, and so forth for like labels, face, uh, activity, 
uh, celebrity, and so forth. All that information that's being extracted through that process is made available then in a JSON file and searchable through a UI or through API Gateway, you can directly look into it. So that information in that file made available to you, you then can build those use cases on that you know, Mike, for example, uh, uh, mentioned and, and elaborated on. Uh, here's a little glimpse on the UI. It's obviously just a picture, but like it shows you a couple of, here it shows you the labels, facial attributes, uh, known faces within the video, celebrities, uh, the transcript, entities. Entities would be like, uh, uh, you know, like, like the, hack, the, the Fox headquarters or things like that. Uh, and then uh, phrases, captions, and so forth. So that's the UI can, can work with. Uh, but again, the solution itself, it's, it's, it's not, the UI is not baked with the solution. You can use it, but you can also just use the architecture itself and like build your own things on top of it. Um, another solution I want to quickly touch on is the tape to cloud migration, man migration solution. So obviously, in order to do all these amazing things that uh, we're talking about here, you need to move your assets into the cloud. Uh, that sometimes is a, is a lengthy process, and, and, and customer has uh, have asked us to, you know, can we come up with a prescriptive way how we can, you know, help you do this? Uh, you know, um, how can we, uh, you know, show you how other uh, how we are doing this, like as a as a as an industry? And so we developed this uh, MAM ingest solution, uh, which basically is a three-part project. So it's like on the one side the on-prem asset analysis, setting up the workflows, uh, making sure it, you, know, you, don't, you can work in parallel between on-prem and, 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 and cloud setup, analyzing what kind of data structure you have and how that can be best moved into the cloud. Then in the middle is a, uh, a serverless process like, that spins up the right resources to actually move the assets, and then it's being handed over into a MAM vendor and be working with various vendors uh, to like ingest it into the MAM system. Um, so that's kind of on the high level. I'm going a little bit into the architecture, but basically, as I already mentioned, if you look to the left side, you have the on-prem activities that make sure understands your data and like make sure we're using the right processes to move it into the cloud. And then in the middle is that serverless workflow that does, for example, proxy and, and, and thumbnail generation, that does asset registry with like various media information, that does UUID generation, or you can keep your UID, that does MD5 generation and so forth, uh, checksum generation and so forth. And then in the middle, you see, for example, that media analysis solution that I talked to you about before, plugged into this, so it not only, this solution not only would move the metadata you already have attached with the files or with the files, it also would add additional layer of metadata while ingesting the file. And then it's moved over to a, a MAM vendor that ingests that information. And again, this information is mainly passed along with like a standardized uh, JSON file. So the kind of metadata, I mentioned it, UUID, MD5, technical data, 
you know, sidecar information, bucket information, but also file information, length of file, where, you know, uh, formats and, and, and so forth. That's the information you obviously get from your on-prem uh, uh, location. And then you can generate a UID and, and, and so forth. And then it will add, if you choose so, it's two separate processes that you can run in separate. If you choose so, it can add this object, uh, you know, like with, with recognition, face collections. It can add the celebrities that are within those uh, assets. It can add the transcription, and it can add that contextual metadata that we have been talking about. For example, here, uh, you know, key phrases, Pasadena, California, uh, other examples, the 129, you know, these are just examples, but like it, it makes the text searchable and relevant by phrases. So I'm gonna show a quick recording of a demo, if I get it going. And this is it. So this is actually a demo we have available, but we also have a cloud formation for this. So you would upload a file, and I really shortened it. So, so you, you basically bring in the file, you upload it, and as you see here, it's generating the UID, it's generating an MD5 checksum. So you start the upload. The process takes a couple of minutes, that's why I'm like, uh, I tried to record it in a way that, and now it doesn't start anymore. I'm very sorry for this, I need to go back. Start it again. Okay. Yeah, okay. No, I don't touch it anymore. So uh, it uploads the asset, whatever the asset is. You start the upload process. It generates that data. Now it will jump because, again, it takes a little while uh, to do that. So you see the asset is being uploaded. Now you can, as I said, run the second process. You can run that extra layer of metadata. So you, you invoke that process. It generates it. This particular video does not have an audio visit, so there will not be any transcription, but you know, with, 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 with videos, with audio, this will generate the transcript. So you have uploaded, and now you can play it. And as you see, you have all the technical data there, sidecar, category, barcode, you know, size, audio data, and so forth. That has been ingested with the file. This would be where the transcription is. And here you see the collections, the various people, and so forth. So this is like not a rich data set, but that's kind of how that metadata will be brought into and here to comprehend. So that file then will be available and uh, all that information is gonna be available as a JSON file and hand it over to the man vendor. So this is like another solution that you can use to, as I said, ingest the, uh, the, the, the files. It uses the other solution as a part to do the analysis. And that's how we think about the solutions in general. They will work together in, in like enriching your workflows. That's all we had, and my time is exactly up. So get started a couple of um, locations. And then uh, I just, uh, remains for me to thank you very much for your attendance, and uh, we're gonna wait here for answering any of your questions. Thank you very much.